Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Want to homeschool, but worried about your child's socialization? Classical Conversations believes education is best experienced together. That's why Classical Conversations provides homeschool families with local communities for opportunities for socialization, support, and encouragement. In community, a trained licensed director guides both students and parents alike through a proven Christ-centered curriculum rooted in the classical model. To find a Classical Conversations community near you, visit classicalconversations.com slash dadjourney. And now, back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back. So I've got a fantastic couple that'll be on with us this week. They uh, uh, have tons and tons to share, and I love the fact that they care about people and community and that kind of thing where you're going. So funny enough, I was out running with a buddy of mine this morning, small group. And he's like, man, I just love that podcast that you had with, uh, with the hair saloon guy and community. And he goes, I've been going to that place for seven years. And I love the, the community aspect of the business, how you get to hang out with people before you get your hair cut and hang out afterwards kind of thing. He goes, it was really neat hearing the Christian values behind the business also and hearing the whole story. So if you guys haven't checked out the hair saloon episode, Brick highly recommends it. Brick's my buddy's nickname. So, all right, on with the show, on with the show. We have got Joe and Mel Hashi here with us today. We're going to talk about some of the seven elements of the strong family path. They have a podcast called the strong family project and let's jump in welcome joe welcome mel yeah thanks so much for having us and sharing that you're on a morning run we were on a, a downstairs workout with our family and five minutes ago we we're hitting our last sets all in a row so we could make it here and not look like we're drenched in sweat and so <laughs> i'm glad that was a part of your morning ritual too oh yeah absolutely so this morning we did um uh I don't know if you're allowed to say Indian run, but you know, 10 guys in a row week. and you run from yeah, the back to I, the front, whatever you call it these uh, days. That's why I stopped playing soccer after eighth grade. We had to do <laughs> yeah, that the field, like every practice <laughs> in like 1994 or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. 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 Those, those are tough. I, I enjoy them a little bit more now, maybe because uh, the elite athletes aren't in the line running. Mm -hmm. Sprint so. away. Can't catch them when they're <laughs> supposed to be jogging. Plus you're yeah. choosing to do it. You're not being told to do it. So I guess you have to like it a little bit more. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's a very good challenge. Today we had uh, a basic lower body day downstairs. Our kids in our in our area, they finished up school last week. So now they've started training with us three times a week. They do Now that we're a little bit older, it's tough to keep up with them because we do more jumping and like more sprints for, for their help because they play some sports. 
and uh, makes you feel quote unquote young again until the next morning. But we're doing the best we can to keep up with them. I know I hurt yeah. really bad after jumping on the box jumps. I'm like, Joe, why do I hurt like back here? Because I was using my arms so much to like <laughs> launch myself. I'm like, I didn't do any upper body. So, but it's fun. I really enjoy working out with the kids. They bring a different element to it. Yeah. There's a challenge called 75 hard. I've talked about it on the podcast mm-hmm. before and two workouts a day. Yeah, I didn't want to do the second second workout because the outdoors, you know, you, you do that by yourself. Well, I do the outdoor one in the morning, but then, um, I'm like, I don't want to isolate myself from the family. The kids are home. My wife's, you know, like, I'm like, ah, that's it. Incorporate (laughs) the kids. So every day we'd get together and we'd do something, whether it was simple, like playing tennis or going for a hike or whatever it was, but my, Hey, this is great. Now the kids are in the routine of let's do something active after school with dad. That's awesome. That's I love that. Yeah. So that was a really cool gift coming through 75 hard and doing that. So, uh, and then funny thing, after we did the Indian run this morning, one of the guy, the guy leading it goes, we're going to go 50 yards and throw the guy next to you on your back. <laughs> Getting serious. And then, and then at 50 yards, you jump on his back and go another 50 oh yards and then we'll sprint back to the beginning and then we'll do it all over again for a while. So that was, that was the workout. I love for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like something I'd say. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so it's fun talking to people in fitness and everything. So you've got a, a number of different topics that I love. Um, let's, let's jump into core values. If, if you guys are ready for that, well, I'm sure you are, since that's a key thing in your life. I don't feel it's something we've talked about enough on this podcast um, tell, tell us just kind of why you guys find core values important. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in first on this because Mel does such a good job remembering the list and explaining them for when you ask that. Uh, yeah, so core values filter our decision making and they also filter our children's decision making. Mel has a story where our son was at school and was like, hey, I really, this kid's enjoyable to hang out with. And Mel's like, why? Well, he, he embodies a lot of our core values. And that's like how they start filtering and seeing life. And also we get a lot of questions through our podcast, which is like, how do you discipline a child? Well, you discipline to repair the core value that was damaged, not to be punitive. So they help you on making your day-to-day decisions from friendships, who you're hanging out with, how you're spending your time down to how you repair relationships in the household based on what you want to stand for as a family. And you know, one of the big decisions we had to make was moving during COVID. We had made the big decision to move from um, upstate New York to Colorado, and that is not something we ever considered. But once we had taken a lot of time to create our core values, and we can talk about how we did that, uh, we knew exactly what we needed to do. Like, is moving is that um, does it fit our core values? And it definitely did. And we haven't looked back. It's been that was a big decision, but we were able to make it because we have this filter of the core values. So the way we came up with them was, I mean, Joe's been in business for a long time. So he understands how businesses have mission statements and core values, and and some certainly embody them better than others. And the purpose is supposed to be whenever you have a decision to make, you're supposed to filter them through, does this fit our core values? And if it does, great. If it doesn't, you should say no. It's kind of how you keep your identity and the culture in your family going or in the company. So we literally took a couple of weeks and we each sat down individually over those few weeks and wrote down everything that was important to us. And it can be spiritual. It can be that we love to read. It could be that we love to cook. It's anything that you find valuable and that your family enjoys or thinks is important. And then after those few weeks went by, we I think we were driving somewhere. We had our two lists and we went through and 
Can you explain that technique that we use and then I'll go back? Yeah, absolutely. So we basically, I had the realization that I was having a shortcoming. I was spending more time on my company organization than I was my family organization and that needed to shift. However, there's a lot I learned as running companies that I could apply to my family that did work. And so one of them was the core values. And what we did is, is we, we put, we came up with our huge list and we did a act, business activity called Kill Keeper Combine, where we look at all of our <laughs> lists and we say, all right, well, this one is a value. It's good, but it's not one of our core values. We're going to kill that one off our list. And we kind of narrowed it down a little bit and then combine. Well, she might have thankfulness and I have gratitude. All right, let's just choose one, combine it to one, and then we can narrow our list down a little bit more and then keep the ones that we feel like our family should fight for, like our core values, the things that we will absolutely stand for. There are a lot of good values, but what do we actually stand for to get down to five to seven fundamentals for our family? And that's how we we went through the process and we chewed on it for a couple of weeks. Then at our family meeting, we presented it to the kids. We got their feedback on it. And then we started embodying it every night at dinner, practicing our gratitude, which is one of our core values. Every week at our family meeting, one of the children share, or all the children share how they embodied a core value during the week or how someone else embodied a core value during the week. So it becomes a part of the language of our household. And we also (laughs) realized that your kids are going to create values for themselves, whether you teach them what they are or not. I don't expect our kids to grow up and have the exact same values we do. But if we don't have some kind of set of core values, then they're going to figure out their own values. They're going to go out and maybe they're going to be whatever with their friends, or they're going to go to other people's houses and they're going to figure it out for themselves. And some might be great and some might not be great. So what we've noticed is if we start at home, if we have core values at home and we really teach that to the kids and we live by it and we role model it, um, they already have a filter versus trying to just hope that they'll figure it out on their own. So that's been very, very important for us. So would you like me to go into what ours are? I, I would let let's stop for just a second. I sure. think think some people may need a little clarification. It sounded like as a family, you went through the list and did the kill keeper combine. Yeah, great question, Dan. So as opposed I, to only the parents making the decision or a parent making the decision. Yeah, we're definitely not a parent. Uh, however, with younger kids, we recommend narrowing it down to get them under 10 and then choose the five to seven. Like a list of 50 is just overwhelming. With older kids, the great way to get buy-in is to include them in getting their items on the list as well. So really de- age dependent. We started, we narrowed it down, we got the ball rolling, and then they helped us take it across the goal line. Yes. Yeah, right. there you a go. lot of that work, a lot of that work was done without the kids. Those few weeks of writing things down at the time, I think our, our kids were all under the age of eight, I think. So we really okay. did that yeah. separately. And then when we did present them and get their feedback, I typed them up. We made these little notebook, I'm not notebooks, <laughs> bookmarks for each kid. And we still have it posted on the wall because it has to be visible. It can't be like, oh, we did this cool thing. And then hopefully we'll think about it. It was like front and center for weeks. And and now they all have them memorized. Even the five-year-old, he knows what they are. And that's just because we've been consistent over time. So that was a great question. Um, people sometimes ask, well, what if I have teenagers and I don't have any core values? It's great to include them. You know, it's great to start with the parents just so that you kind of have a bit of a list, but then see what they think. Maybe they thought of something that you didn't even consider. So it's a great family activity. And you yeah, can Joe, even you were talking about combining them and like this one's good, this one's good, this one's good. So when I initially did a core value exercise, I looked at it and I'm like, dude, there's like 35 of these that I feel pretty strong about. Like, you know, all these are great. Like kindness is great and love is great and all this great, great, great. And I'm like, how do I get this down to, and 
when you kind of eliminate and do I want this one or this one? Do I want this one or this one? And I'm like, okay, yeah, three to five, seven, really, you know, really three uh, over and above. Um, you know, when I was going through them, I had a big challenge with like faith, religion, love. Actually, I'll leave love to the side, but faith and religion, I'm like, oh, super important, super important, super important. And I was like, and when I tried combining them, I'm like, you know what? Actually, faith and religion, those words aren't actually as important because love is the one that combines all those. And that was the one that had the overall priority. And when my kid asked me earlier, you know, before that, she goes, what's your favorite word in the world, daddy? So what do you think? And she says, oh, Jesus or God, or I said, no, not any of those. She's like, well, gosh, I have no idea then. And I was like, well, <laughs> actually my favorite word in the world is love because that's kind of the beginning of everything. That's a great point. And that's why it takes some, this can lead to some really deep discussion and really thinking about what's most important. Because it's one word you might think of, like you said, faith or religion, it's almost like it sounds like it should be the most important one. But when you get to the bottom of it, love really covers a lot of that. And those are the discussions we had when we were coming up with them. And I love that you're saying like three, three to seven, you know, Joe has this phrase, what's Oh gosh, I'm going to screw What's it. memorable is portable. Right. So if you have too many, you're going to forget them. Exactly. And so uh, you want to narrow it down to what's memorable. And we went through the same thing with a bunch of words. I remember one we we chatted before we pressed record, like fitness is important to our family. We owned a bunch of personal training studios. My father was very unhealthy and, and passed away right when I was in college because he was overweight and a heavy smoker and all that. And fitness is important to us. However, another word we had on there in one of ours, as personal growth and that embodies fitness and embodies becoming more skilled, embodies more education. So we we kind of put it in there and then we define it for the kids as that includes your your physical being as part of personal growth. And so we had to wordsmith and combine and, and really work through it. That's right. Yeah. So to add to the love thing, I was like, and God is love. Therefore, <laughs> yes, God is my favorite word. However, <laughs> God is love. So therefore we've got that already covered also. And my daughter's like, oh, that is cool. So, Plus so love kind of gives you a bit of action. Action. Yeah. That's the part. You know? It's the doing and the action. It's something, it's, it's an active word. So you can actively love somebody and you can choose to love. So yeah, right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, that, that's why that one's on my list and that's why that one's my favorite word. So cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Let's, Thanks for sharing, Dan. Yeah, yeah. I like that one. Yeah. And what about you? What about your list? You're about to share. And I said, hold on, let's not do that yet. No, let's, that's let's okay. Go with that right. Let's go like with that now. We're high energy from the workout. I think so we got to <laughs> slow down and breathe a little Mel. Okay. So, <laughs> so we, we came up with six values. So the first one is having gratitude. That's very important. We want to always be thankful, always try to find silver linings. And it's very easy to kind of get negative, especially in today's world. So we always try to find the good in the day and be grateful to God for all the blessings that we have. And we do this in many ways at dinner every night. So one of the pieces of our path is having family dinners together. And our little five-year-old will go around and he he actually chooses who gets to go first. So everyone at the table gets to share something from the day or something recent that they are grateful for. So we always keep that core value top of mind, being thankful, being thankful. Um, Because, you know, with kids, they often will compare to some other family. Well, they have this, we don't have that. Well, hey, let's stop and be thankful for what we have because we certainly are very blessed. So gratitude's a big value for us. Another is be genuine. We think it's really important that every person in the family, I mean, we have a family culture and a family identity for sure, but within that, everyone is very different. So we want to celebrate and foster those talents 
of each individual kid. So one of our kids is really into soccer. So we really try to put time and effort into that. The other one loves to 3D print. So I try to get him to the library whenever he can to 3D print something. So we try to identify what everybody's talents and abilities and interests are and foster that really well. Another is be adventurous. So this also kind of goes with the fitness thing. We try to go out and hike and go do different things, but it's more about the attitude of trying something new and not just shying away because it might be hard or it might be different. So we, that's a value of our family. We're always trying some new cool things. Yeah. Last night after dinner, the, the kids were talking about going fishing down at the pond and they were kind of hemming and hawing like, oh, it's, it's raining. I'm like, well, it's one of our core values to stay dry or is it to be adventurous like oh no we definitely want to go then and so they went and they fished in the rain for 45 minutes didn't catch anything but had a great time because that's kind of an example of how we filter our decision making through it that's such a good example because oftentimes that that would be my feeling like well i don't want to get wet i don't want to go fish in the rain you know but because we have that core value it was very easy to for the kids to see oh yeah and sometimes it's even more exciting because there'll be less people there. You'll have like the place to yourself. Like sometimes it's more interesting how things are when it's raining because other people are just hidden away. So that that was a great example. Um, another one of our values, which is my favorite, is wanting to be together. So it's really important to me that we as a family are close knit and that someday when the kids are older, that they still will want to be together, even if they don't have to choose to be together. So an example I love of this is I love to do puzzles and that's usually like my time to myself. So I went to downstairs, I was working on my puzzle and that's my me time or whatever. And the kids start coming into the room and I'm like, but this is my time. And then I realized, you know, one of our core values is wanting to be together. They want to be with me. And it ended up when my mindset shifted to the core value, I enjoyed their company so much more. They brought a different element to it. You know, when the kids come in the room, something crazy is going to happen. They start playing Twister on the floor and like we're all hanging out. But again, because I have the mindset of wanting to be together, I could have just gotten upset and said, I need 10 minutes to myself. But instead, I embraced it and it was really cool. So I love that one. Uh, Another one that we have is personal development, which Joe mentioned earlier, personal growth. So always wanting to learn a new skill, be a forever learner. You know, school is only Mm -hmm. one small piece of what develops you and what teaches you skills. So we're always trying to learn like emergency skills or cooking skills, or this summer I'm going to teach my kids how to wash and fold their own laundry. (laughs) Like all those, because of that core value, it makes sense to the kids to want to learn how to do things for themselves. And that's kind of our yin and yang with the be genuine one where you're not going to be genuinely lazy. (laughs) <laughs> like it's, I genuinely love staring at the screen. Well, that's we got to do a little bit more per- personal growth and development. And so that, that fosters that, like you can do anything you want, but you have to put the effort in to, to make it worthwhile and show progress and try to develop your skills at the, that thing. And uh, last but not least is personal accountability. So we do not like the blame game in, in our family. We like you to figure out and accept what piece of whatever happened is your responsibility. So this morning there was an example. So our two older ones got up, they got into an argument and my older one came to me and said, you know, my brother was being mean to me. And it's like, okay, well, what was your piece in it? I would like you to be accountable and tell me what you, you know, what you did to contribute to that situation. Cause you know, there's always more than one side to a story. Oh yeah. And, and we were able to get to the bottom of it, but again, because we have the core value of accountability and they understand that language, 
you know, I don't say, well, what was your fault? No, it's like, what were you, what, what can you be accountable for? What can you help me understand that happened? That was your piece. So this morning, and then after we figured it out, we smoothed it over and, you know, apologized and moved on. But this is another example of how we use the values in the daily conversations on a daily basis to just work our way through problem solving as well. So those are, I think we covered all six. Nice. Nice. I like them. Very, very similar. Very, very similar list that we've got between, between our families. So awesome. A lot of fun. Yeah. The Mm -hmm. lifetime learner one, that one's pretty important. So, and at whatever age, the kids tend to fight back on that one a little bit. I'm in (laughs) school and I don't want to do this thing anymore. It's hard. (laughs) That's right. And I, I think that's why, what I love about that value is that it takes you outside of just school. Because I think like I grew up just thinking that's where you're going to learn everything. And I never thought of like learning how to cook as a skill or learning how to take care of myself in other ways or kind of going and doing something that I'm interested in. Um, so that was a really exciting one for me that the kids are growing up knowing that they can learn. Like Henry will come home, my 11 year old, and he'll look up videos on how to learn a new soccer trick. You're not going to yeah. necessarily learn yeah. that in school and you don't have to just wait for the soccer season. You know, he's, and then he goes outside and he practices it. That's what it's about. And I think that's really exciting for them to grow up that way. So hopefully when they're adults, they continue that. That's just part of who they are. They don't see it as like, oh, I have to learn something. It's an exciting thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my kids are learning Spanish, you know, from a tablet and my other one, like you said, is grabbing the soccer tricks and practicing them on her own and We've got an online uh, softball school that we're enrolled in and like they awesome. can do all, they got access to all this incredible stuff. And I'm like, it, back when I was playing baseball, you had to hire a, you know, professional, former professional baseball player <laughs> one-on-one in order to get the stuff they can get for free online. It's unbelievable. It really is. And you're doing a good job of role modeling right now. You probably didn't learn podcasting in school. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't learn it. Like, uh, I was a political science major at Colgate. I was a history teacher for a little while, and then uh, traveled the country and learned fitness and uh, took, got certified and went to the fitness field. And I didn't look, take business, and we learned that. And I'm sure you have similar stories. It's just you got the opportunities that come around if you're willing to learn are, are tremendous. We even have some friends here who call YouTube YouTube University. This yeah. guy's building a house from YouTube True. videos he's watching. It's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, my wife can pretty much build or do anything watching a YouTube video. <laughs> it's awesome. There's a lot of good out there. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny when the kids are fighting back on the learning thing. It's hard, Dad. It's hard. I just don't want to do it anymore. I'm like, and yeah, we do good hard and. things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they're like, dang it, we do hard things. That is what we do. <laughs> That's a good core value. Do hard things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems like when you choose the hard path the reward so much greater than, than taking the easy road, easy road. So we talk about that quite a bit in our family. Awesome. So tell, tell me a little bit about your guys, um, kind of family meetings that kids love. So family meetings is one word, but then add <laughs> that they love, that's a whole different concept. How do you guys have your family meetings that they love? I heard it's one thing to, already that you do, yeah, which was empower the kids. Like at that, at that dinner table thing, you're like, Hey, I, we let the five-year-old pick and choose who goes next. That's pretty yeah, cool. That the it, five-year-old gets the lead. Yeah. They like get some leadership in there, some family leadership and meetings are a tough sell. There's even that book death by meeting. I think it's a Patrick Lincioni book. If I'm, if I'm right. And, uh, meetings have a bad negative connotation. So we have to add in there that the family loves, 
because we want them when they go out in the world. We don't want that we. We want them to be a part of a high performance organization before they go out and try to get a job. And so that should be your household, should be that organization that teaches them how to run, how to set goals, how to have values, how to have leadership skills, how to make progress and all that. And family meeting is a great example of how we do it. And so we kick off the family meeting by sharing how we embodied one of the core values from the week. With younger kids, we would have them draw a picture and we'd play Pictionary. They'd draw a picture of them climbing a mountain. They'd hold it up. We'd all guess like, oh, let's be adventurous. And so we'd engage the younger ones at that age. And we'd go around and and share out and uh, fill in if anyone else saw somebody else embodied one of the core values. And then we do the discussion topics for the week, which are the simple things, the uh, here's the schedule for the upcoming week. And mm-hmm. the kids bring a lot to the table too. We'll say, hey, um, we all, discussion topics always tech time. <laughs> and sometimes it's they want more, sometimes it's they want less. And so they'll bring up, hey, like we get three 15 minutes a day to use our tech time, which is one of the rules we came out of a family meeting. But I just do 45 minutes in a row and I feel like I'm stuck to it. And I said, that's great. Thank you for bringing that up, Henry. Let's allow 15 minutes between every usage because it's a skill to start and stop using something that is trying to fight for your attention. And he loved that. And he was just identifying the issue. We discussed it and we said, all right, let's try it for a week and we'll talk about it at the next family meeting. And so they're willing to try it for a week and then give feedback to make sure it's working. It's not like a rule that's set in stone forever that they have to stress over. I think the the beauty of the family meeting and then what makes it fun for the kids is that they get to bring up discussion topics. It's not like the parents telling the kids like what to do. So they oftentimes will bring up a topic and then they are the ones that come up with the solution. Oftentimes we will come like, we'll maybe discuss something ahead of time if we think it's like something that might be an issue, but then we open it up to the kids. Well, if you're using this for 45 minutes and you don't like that, well, what can we do? They came up with the 15 minute break in between. That was their solution. And we said, great, let's try it. And then oftentimes when kids are part of creating the solution, they are more likely to go along with it versus mom and dad saying, you have to do this. And then there's going to be pushback. So there's that's, I think, what's been the most important piece of it is they're, they are part of the organization. They are part of the solution. And they feel very empowered by that. We really put it out to them to come up with the solution if it's something that involves them, obviously. And also during the week, something might come up. And if it's not urgent, we're like, that's a great discussion topic for family meeting. And then they have to kind of hold on to it till we get to the meeting on Saturday. Obviously, if it's urgent, we have to deal with it ahead of time, but they expect it. And at this point, if we miss a family meeting, they're like, we didn't do it. We have to sit down and do it. So they actually look forward to it. I think they feel valuable. They are all assets in our family. So they all contribute. And I think that's what makes it really special. So we we went over the first two pieces. Yeah. And I think our framework as parents to help out the listeners is basically to define what success looks like and then let the kids have conversation on what that path is to get there. So we'll say, hey, you know, what we're worried about with earbuds is that you're not engaging in conversations with people in the room. So success looks like to us is, yes, you can enjoy music. However, it's people first in this family. So how can we balance those? And we put it back to them. So here's what success looks like. How are we going to measure this? Um, then, well, we'll you know, I'll put my earbuds in if I'm going for a walk down to the mailbox or something like that. Okay, that's a fair balance. And so they can define the path part. You go to the next. Right. One. Well, I just want to say one more thing about that because I think this is so powerful. Oftentimes for me, even as a mom, I want to just step in and solve the problem. Like I know best what to do. And oftentimes I think we forget that kids have incredible creativity and they have a great imagination and they will oftentimes come up with solutions that we as parents might have not even thought of. So putting the, you know, giving them 
<clears throat> the power in that situation. It's been really, really life-changing for our family. Um, the next piece is really fun too. So we call it tough truths. So Ooh. we've created <laughs> we have a we've created a family environment where it it is safe to criticize, obviously if it's constructive. So some and and the other piece of this that's really important is the kids can give us tough truths as well. So Joe has a good example, you know, a couple of months ago, he was using, he was checking some email during dinner and my middle son came to me outside of dinner and he said, I really didn't like how dad was doing that at the dinner table. And I said, Henry, that's a tough truth. You can go to dad and tell him that. So at the next family meeting, Henry brought it up. We thought of a solution. And ever since then, like when it's dinner time, like we are all in at dinner, we are all in 100% focus on family, no phones, no distractions. And that all came about because we empowered our kid to point something out in us that was making them uncomfortable. So what was Joe doing? I was checking like work stuff on my phone. Yeah. (laughs) And so I had to, yeah, I had to wear the tough truth because it was right. And I had to make sure it's a great opportunity for role modeling especially with accountability being one of core values. And I say, well, you don't understand how busy work is or like, I've got this and that and your life is simple. Like I didn't demean it. I'm like, you're right. Uh, let's come up with a solution. How, how so, long ago was that? It's a couple months ago. Yeah. yeah. Or another funny example is like Henry would tell me that he did not like the dinner I made. (laughs) (laughs) I could get totally defensive and upset with him, but I was like, you know what? Okay. You didn't like it. Thank you for your honesty. Let's come up with something that you're going to enjoy. So I I think it's been really empowering. Like Joe said, with the role modeling, we're us not getting bent out of shape because honestly, the kids oftentimes will notice things that the adults are doing or things that are hypocritical, maybe like, hey, well, we can't do that. Why can you do it? And for us to be able to take that humbly is really, really important. And um, sometimes- I love love that you shared that. And I love Joe that you restated. No, that was me. I owned it. No, that was not (laughs) six years ago. That was right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. We get tough truths, like a good one, maybe every month from them. And they're usually right. Like with the food thing, like we came up with, all right, well, if you don't like the primary meal, here are three options that are acceptable for you to make by yourself. And that we agree on what the options are and that they know what they are. And it's not putting work to mail. They are, well, now I have to make all these different dishes. Like, well, Hey, if you don't like this, here's three healthy options that you can make yourself and have ready by the dinner time if that's what you want to do and fine with that. Right. So they're learning some new skills. That's personal growth. Yeah. They're, they're communicating with us and they're taking a leadership role. I mean, how many people are sitting at a meeting at work and are afraid to speak up for retaliation or whatever, you know? So at home, we feel like if they can speak up here and they see us role model it in a way that's positive, um, it moves everybody forward. So tough truths. That's that's an interesting one at the dinner t- or at the family meeting. Um, I feel like uh, I feel like most of the audience probably has family dinners, mm-hmm. and that right. might be something that's a core value for them. That's like super super important, or it could for some of the listeners be something like ah oh, whatever you know we we hit that up at least once a month. At least once a month we eat dinner as a family. Uh, what in yours thirteen eleven and five? So at thirteen, the thirteen year olds getting into you know more sports and more activities at 11, you know, kind of the same case, the five-year-old, you can control that schedule pretty well at this point. How's the family dinner? How important is it to you to have seven days a week or what's your, what's your general cadence around that and importance that you put behind that? There's two pieces to that. It's a great question, Dan, is that we have it almost every day with a, a couple rare exceptions. If someone's traveling or, or something weird came up and the reason 
and how we do it is we're not married to a time. It's not like a traditional, like dinner's at 5.30. Everything's got to have, like, sometimes we eat dinner at 3. Sometimes yeah. we eat at 7. It doesn't matter. It's the, the time together, and then they'll bridge the gap with a snack at the other time. Um, but we're very flexible with the time because the importance is that we sit down and you know, we grew up in a household where it was like regimented time that it had to happen. And we just kind of, it wasn't a fit for our family. And what is is flexibility to make sure that we have the time together. Right. So we, what it's, it's one of the pieces of our strong family path, because we think it's important to have a time each day as best, as best as possible for everybody to come together and reconnect. Because family is the most important thing in our lives. So we can, dinner just happens to be that, that one thing that we can kind of depend on. Now, yes, during soccer season, I had to make sure I was prepared ahead so that it was an easy dinner or it was simple or quick, even if we just sit down for 20 minutes. Because we make it a priority, we, we find that time. And then for the family meeting, we just happen to do that at dinner once a week. So usually the dinners are more like we share gratitude. We we just have interesting mm-hmm. conversations from the school day. Um, we share something that happened that day or just whatever. We It's just kind of that time together without any distractions. So I know people are super busy. I know schedules are crazy. And we do try. We, we see the benefit of it. Like if Joe's traveling, um, which he does for work several times in, in months, my kids will say to me, you know, like, are we still going to do family dinners even though daddy's not here? Because that's how much that they benefit from it. And of course we do. And it's not the same when we're, all, we're not all together, but we already see them craving for it means that it's a good thing. It means that it's giving them the benefit that they need. Because, you know, things can get crazy at work. Things can get crazy at school, but they know, okay, I go home and I can depend on this time with my family and reconnect. I think it's... <clears throat> It just keeps us connected as a family is the point I'm trying to make, I think, to make that time, even if it's really, really short. You ever have a kid's friend over yet that says, hey, wait, what's this? <laughs> we definitely have. And we include them. Yeah, they well, do we, gratitude. They we got to like, <laughs> participate. Yeah, we do like a little blessing at the beginning. We say grace. And then you yeah. know, the friend can just sit there and listen. And then we actually one time. We had a friend over and we were setting our commitments for the week. So we have this goal setting system and every week we come up with a little commitment that you're going to do for seven days for that week. And it could be something simple like 10 squats. And that friend was there and I had Henry explain to him what this is all about. And that kid committed to doing like 10 pull-ups a day. Wow! So like he joined in with what we were doing. And I think Henry did ask him at school a couple of times, like, Hey, did you do your commitment? Cause I love the idea of planting seeds in other people who are around us. And that kind of brings me back to why we even started the podcast. People would visit us out here. And one of Joe's friends was like, you guys do some cool things in your family. You should teach other families how to do this stuff. Um, so that's kind of how this whole idea was born. But yeah, I love that you asked that because we do, we totally include it. If we have guests visiting, they share gratitude at the dinner table, just like we do. And they just join in. Yeah. I, I love that when we have people over and then we do what we always do, yeah. even sometimes if it's uncomfortable, sometimes you're like, <laughs> Hey, you've got to kind of, you know, when you got a crowd of 20 around or whatever, it's tough to get everybody served. And then, you know, it can be tough. It doesn't have to be, but it can be dependent on the activities and all that. But it's like, no, I like to interrupt and bring everybody together for a prayer, for a quick conversation, for some gratitude, you know, whatever, and eat. But you're like, wow, that was different. That was kind of <laughs> cool. It's great you do that because it's role modeling for your kids. Like when they are out of your household, how are they going to behave? Probably how you did when people were in your household. Unless you change how you behave when others are around, that's what they'll learn too. Right. And I think that 
the kids, they love consistency and structure. So if we go out of our way to make sure we to share gratitude, even if we have some friends over, it then again shows them how important that core value is. Like we don't just live by our core values when it's convenient or when things are like normal. We live by them, especially when it's difficult or challenging. And I think they get more out of it when we do it when a friend is over. And I think there's a little bit of pride there too. They love to show their friends how we are. And sometimes they they recognize that that friend might have some struggles and that this might actually help them as well to have the example of how other families live. And possibly that friend could take that away and maybe incorporate it into some things that they do, whether it's their family or maybe, you know, at the school lunch table or whatever it is, but by your example, they can take that away and use it somewhere else and, you know, better their life in some way or better the people around them in some way. So um, yeah, gratitude to me is just so such a critical thing because without that, the negativity can just eat away. It, you know, you yeah. get focused on, I know uh, pain is a big topic for you where you just have to endure. It's just a thing. Like you can't be mean to other people because you're not feeling good. Uh, my, <laughs> my foot hurts, my knee hurts. So we got to learn how to separate how we treat people and how we physically feel when we're injured and that kind of thing. But um well, you got you got severely injured, so you stopped your athletic career. Yeah, I had uh, four knee surgeries in, in college playing football. Um, fell out of a tree, shattered my leg once. <laughs> that kind of uh, actually was a blessing in disguise because it, I was running, I was teaching high school. I was running a, a fitness class six to seven a.m. Teaching high school seven forty until two fifty, and then running the training from three until seven for our athletes every day and so when i had broken my leg i could actually focus more on the company because i was on bed rest i wasn't supposed (laughs) to go anywhere uh and the company grew so much i had to make a decision which i I enjoyed teaching but this was the path that was gonna be best for the family and so it was in the springtime and then after the summer i didn't go back to teaching and i focused fully on the company uh which worked out great and gave us a lot of opportunities but that came off of a painful injury and uh yeah how to manage pain and, and find the how to move out of it, make some progress out of it is a, a skill. And Mel mentioned earlier, we do a lot of emergency response training type stuff. Like I go to the the county search and rescue meetings just to learn what they have to go through. Um, I just did our community emergency response training cert where they teach you like, hey, if the you're it, we live in Colorado, if there's a wildfire and emergency services are spread thin, you need to be able to rescue yourself. You can't take an asset away from someone else who actually needs it to your household. You need to have some basic skills and things like that. And when I was at one of the meetings, they were talking about we live by Pikes Peak and people get stranded up there all the time. Yeah, get up yeah. there. Uh, this is a couple just two days ago that were stranded up there and needed a, a rescue. And what they didn't understand is that they assume that someone can always swoop in and save them. And there is a great sign on where you break the tree line out of Pike's Peak, which one of the items is you are your own rescuer. If you go beyond this point, like you need to understand that. And this, we talk about it with our kids in life, like, Hey, you got to be your own rescuer first. And at the meeting, they would talk about people would get up on the the summit and get lightheaded or they'd get lost in the snow or whatever. And they would call search and rescue and they have to tell them like, Hey, how long did it take you to get up there? And they're like eight hours. And they're like, okay, well, we're at the bottom. It's going to take us eight hours to get to you. And then they have a realization that there's someone's not going to swoop in and save them. And they choose to walk out themselves. <laughs> like, all right, I can, might as well just walk back down to the tree line. It's one hour away. 
And so just having that perspective on like, hey, you are your own rescuer. If you're hurt, injured, physical, emotional, like, all right, what's the next one thing you can do to make some progress and start moving away from that and towards a solution? Where people struggle is that panic. They panic when they're hurt and they panic when they're emotional and they start lashing out, like you mentioned, whether it's physical or emotional, and they start lashing out and damaging relationships and damaging themselves because panic's one of the worst things you can do if you are actually injured. So even if you are injured, don't do, don't panic because that'll that'll screw you up too. Yeah, we talked yeah, about friends and what they can do outside. Earlier we were talking before we started recording, and turns out it was one of your kids' friends that influenced your family. Yes, very strongly too. So we we moved to Colorado a couple of years ago. And one of the things I wanted to do when we moved out here was to find a church. That was really important to me because during COVID, we kind of had shied away. We weren't really going. We kind of became that family that would, oh, we drop the kids off for some um, Sunday school, but then we don't really go to church. And I was not happy with that. So we moved out here and, and I'm a very organized person and I think things through and I had this whole plan, like we'll go visit like five different churches and then we'll choose which one fits best. But my son, Henry, kept coming home from school and his friend kept saying, hey, Henry, why don't you come uh, try out Radiant Church this this weekend? And I kept saying, well, that's not part of my plan. You know, <laughs> I just kind of was putting it off. And then this one particular weekend, he asked me again. And Joe was out of town for work. And I said, well, we should wait for daddy to come home. And and then something just like struck me. And I know it was the Holy Spirit. It was like, your child is begging you to go to church. And you're just saying no for stupid, frivolous reasons of my own discomfort. <laughs> so we just kind of dropped everything and we went. And honestly, we haven't looked back. It was an adjustment because it was a very different kind of church, but Henry loved it. My older son joined a youth group and just dove right in, loves it. Um, and the wonderful thing too, is there's a couple of kids in my son's class that go to that church that also go to his school. So there's this nice like between where they're in school with some of the same friends. But had I not stopped to listen to my child and what he was truly asking of me, which wasn't anything crazy, um, I could have still been on that path of destruction of just like, let me do it my way. Let me figure it out. You know, this is for the adults to decide. But instead, I, I just humbled myself and listened to what he said. And now I just signed up to volunteer in the elementary age class and I'm really excited. And we've all grown as a family. We're all closer to Jesus. We, I bought my first Bible. We're reading together. Um, kids just finished a middle school church camp right after school ended. And um, it's exciting. It's exciting how God moves because you really can have your own plan. And unless you can stop and truly listen to what God might be asking you to do and what direction he might be moving you, you might miss the opportunity. I heard about a guy a while back and he was frustrated because he was jumping around to different churches and looking for things. And the church he was at, he just felt like it wasn't the right place for him and everything. And he was talking to a pastor, not of the church he went to, but a different church. And the pastor listens and listens and listens and listens. And he's like, uh -huh, whatever. But he stayed engaged in the conversation. And finally, it was his turn to finally get to ask a question. He goes, all right. So out of everything that you mentioned, where are you serving the best? Where are you giving your talents? What are the opportunities for you to contribute? And the guy looked at him and he goes, I haven't thought about that one single time. I kept thinking about what am I going to get out of this? What's my mm -hmm. family going to get? Mm -hmm. And none of these places had what I wanted. <laughs> That's a and good he, question that he asked. He's like, man, now I got to rethink this whole thing about how could I serve? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, isn't that what Jesus would do is how could yeah. I serve? 
So it's right. cool that you found a place to jump in and and help out and and serve. So through serving, oftentimes we can find what we actually wanted to get anyway. I think you're right. And there was a particular Sunday where the pastor was kind of putting out this call, like we're getting a lot more kids in this church. We need more families to um, to step forward and, and volunteer. And I was like, he's not looking at me, is he? Like I, <laughs> I really felt strongly about that. And that very day I went to him after a service and I was like, I think you were talking right to me. Not that he was, but I felt that way. And then I made that one of my goals and it took me about six months because you have to go through a process of watching some videos and they have to make mm-hmm. sure that you're vetted and you can't just pop in and say, Hey, I'm here to serve, especially with children. Right. So, but it's official now, but again, it all started with that call. Like you have to be willing to listen to that call yeah. and it can be yep. uncomfortable. It can take you outside of your comfort zone for sure. And just kind of, I feel like we're called to do this podcast. We're meeting amazing people like yourself who are striving to make their family strong and it's really empowering and inspiring. Well, thank like you. We're getting you. as much out of it as as we hopefully were giving, you know. Yep, and that's why it's called the journey of a Christian dad. It's like I'm not <laughs> I'm not perfect, and sure, I've checked my phone at the dinner table as well. Got called out on it as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why ours is called project. Like we were working project. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I love that you you humbled yourself and said, "Huh, we should we should say yes to this one. This one's silly, <laughs> silly since it's not on my list of five. <laughs> right. We're not going to church because it's not one of the five. Right. Where are we going? Well, we're not. <laughs> yeah, we're just not doing anything. And as as we've gone through this journey now, and as I've started getting into the word a bit more, in like constantly, it's like don't go with what people think. Go with what God would think or would want you to do. So I had my plan, and it's okay to scrap your plan if God has a different one. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to absolutely. be humble enough to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, that was the uh, that was the genesis of this podcast. Was I told my buddy, my my mentor guy, I ain't starting a podcast. That is what I'm definitely not doing. And then that night, <laughs> I went on a retreat and says, "Hey, God, you want to talk about anything?" And he says, "I sure do." Your podcast? No, no, no. You were at that other meeting, though. You heard me. I, I, uh, I definitively I said, no. said that it's the last thing in the world I'm doing. He goes, "Yeah, yeah, you're right. I was there. I heard you." So anyway, like, all right. What do you got? How are we going to do yeah. this? So yeah, that's, that's funny. So we had a guy on, his name was uh, Cujo. He used to run the Top Gun Academy. So Maverick, Goose, that whole thing. So he was the lead flight instructor for the whole Academy. So he was the number one fighter pilot in the world. He was the number one instructor in the world. Like, how cool is this? Well, he wrote a book called Debrief to Win. So after every mission that they ran, training or real or what have you, they would talk about it. And they would use the tough truths. They would really get into things so that they could learn for the next mission and develop this. So he wrote a whole book about it. And he talks about developing high-performance teams. So you guys were talking about high-performance family. And Mm -hmm. that way they can go into a high-performance work environment and know what that's like. So I loved all that. And then you guys also do a debrief in the evenings with your kids. Yeah, this is one that Mel insisted to be on the path. We're on the fence about it. But she runs it. It is a critical part of the day that sometimes there's conversations that don't come up at dinner table when there's other people around. And when the kids get comfortable in their own environment, in their beds, when they're all cozy down there, Mel calls them uh, doorknob topics where her hands on the doorknob about to go leave and go to bed herself. And then they bring up that one thing that's been on their mind uh, that is a more personal topic than they feel comfortable bringing up perhaps at dinner. And so 
Mel has to uh, take a breath because, of course, she wants to go to bed, too. And she goes back in the room and have has those conversations because it might be the only time they bring it up. And it's regularly in the evening. And so I'll let Mel fill in from there. Thanks. So, it, yeah, it used to be where these topics would come up. And, of course, I'd stay. And eventually it just became something that I did um, purposefully did. So instead of just popping in and being like, good night, I love you and leaving, I put my five-year-old to bed first. And then I go to my 11 and 13 year old, we start with listening to this little video about the Bible verse of the day. And then we all share some gratitude, share a prayer. And that's usually when something will come up. <clears throat> and during the school year, oftentimes it's some drama from the playground or for my, mid- for my middle schooler, that was a big adjustment this year. It might be something interesting he heard in the hallway. Um, so they, again, just like with the family meetings we talked about earlier, they now have become accustomed and they expect this evening debrief. So I don't go in with an agenda. It's more, I'm there fully present with them because I want them to have that time to be able to talk with me. And sometimes I'm just a listening ear. Sometimes they need some problem solving. You know, what are you going to do at recess tomorrow when this comes up again? And, And we problem solve and we talk together. And it's also an extra, it's also an exercise in some patience. So my 13 year old sometimes is like, let's just get on with it. And you know, it's like your brother's talking about something dear to his heart. And it's important for you to learn to just sit and listen and offer some value. Cause oftentimes he does have a lot to value to offer as the older brother. So this has become like a really special time for us. And sometimes it's really quick. And sometimes I'm down there for a good half an hour and I'll come up and and Joe's like, wow, it must have been one of those evening debriefs where something really, you know, interesting came up because I'm upstairs so much later than usual. And it's been a really, really important piece. And when, whenever we miss it, like we feel like this lack. And and sometimes something will come up where one of my kids will tough truth. They'll they'll tell me that they want to discuss something with dad and not mom. Because my boys are getting older. I I can't give them what they might have needed as little ones. I could do that really well. But now that they're older, they need their dad. So I make sure that I communicate then with Joe. Like, I think you might need to spend a little time with with one of the boys tomorrow. This topic came up and they're more comfortable talking with you. So it's we have to have really good communication between ourselves and not take it personally when a kid might need the other parent for a particular topic. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that we do as well. That that nighttime routine is so sometimes it's whatever, but (laughs) other nights, like you said, Hey dad, you're here. I got to talk to you. Yep. Well, you're just with mom. I know, but this one's yours. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What do you got? (laughs) Mom wouldn't understand this dad. (laughs) Right. But again, as parents, like we have to be humble. We have to be selfless. And even if, if I had a rough day and all I want to do is go watch a show and go to bed, like this is more important. I think about the trade-off in my head. If I were to leave the room right now and go watch a show, because that's what I want, my I'm leaving my kid hanging and maybe they'll never bring that topic up again because I wasn't there. So yeah, we, we make yeah. the time for it, even if it's uncomfortable and even if I'm exhausted, we just make the time and it's become, now it just it's just part of our routine. It's expected and, and we all enjoy it. Yeah, I've got a simple little phrase <clears throat> to help keep me uh, just aware of what I'm doing and where I am. And it's so, so simple. It's just be where your feet are. Yeah, that, I love that. You know, that's, and I'm like, where are my right. feet? Right here in this room. Oh, wow, there's people here. And <laughs> here I am off in some other world, whether it's in my phone or, you know, thinking about other thoughts as opposed to being there with your kids because you never know when they are looking to you for some love or guidance or, you know, do something silly or tell you a joke or whatever it is. And and honestly, sometimes you might have these evening debriefs for 
five days in a row. And it's just kind of like whatever those nights. So someone might think, well, it's not worth it. But then it's that sixth night where they, they like, mom's going to be here or dad's going to be here every night. So when I do have something, they'll be there. So just because it might not be exciting or something, that consistency of your presence, then they will feel comfortable when something does come up to come to you. Yeah. So that's, that's a concept I call carefree timelessness where you don't really have that agenda. Like the, the evening debrief, you just come to them with a video and then you're there to spend time with them, period. Right. Yep. And that's kind of a time where special things can happen. And sometimes kids look back and go, I remember the time when this, and Mm -hmm. usually it's not Disney. Usually it's not, (laughs) you know, some crazy high point type thing. It was a carefree timelessness type thing where something happened unexpectedly unplanned. And that Mm -hmm. was a high point of their life. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's great perspective. It is. Yeah, my daughters were going back and forth about things they love to do with dad. And they were like the smallest little things. Dad, do you even remember that? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, I do. I remember. But they were, you know, we went to Disney for goodness sakes. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. Oh, yeah. I think I listened to something recently where you never know the words that you speak will but might stick with someone. You might completely forget it. And I think the other day, the the Bible verse of the evening was about being careful with what words you speak to others and also to yourself, because you might just say something in passing, but it might impact that person for that that whole day, a year from now, you know, whatever it might be. So it's really important to be cautious with what you say and how you say it and the time you make. Yeah. So we use three things. Is it kind? Is it true? Is it helpful? So if you're going to say it, is it kind? Is it true? Is it helpful? And also to yourself. So if you're saying it in your own head, is it kind? Is it true? Is it helpful? We had a little girl, she's going up to bat. She's the home run hitter on the team. And I said, Hey, you ready for this one? She goes, coach, I'm going to strike out. (laughs) (laughs) I was walking along with her and I said, you're right. You are going to strike out. She stops. Coach, you can't say that. I said, well, it's true. I believe in you. You believe you're going to strike out and I believe you can do it. Go get her. She stops flat. She goes, wait a second. Is it kind? Is it true? Is it helpful? No, it's none of those things. Like, ah, I can't say that to myself. I got to take that thought captive. Got it. All right. I got to say something better to myself. Exactly. I'm going to use this. I'm going to take a good swing. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to, all right, I'm ready, coach. That's uh, she, she hit a home run. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank goodness. That, that, that wasn't the, that, yeah, that wasn't the first one she hit, but yeah, she went and hit a home run and she came and she goes, thanks coach. Like you got me where I needed to be. I, I don't walk kids up to bat, but for some reason I was, but when she said she was going to strike out, I'm like, why? I got to take a few steps with her and get her to get out of this thought, thought pattern. I got to arrest mm-hmm. that thought and, uh, and help her transform it. So I think that one came from the Bible. So we apply that one all the time. So before we end, is there anything else that you want to cover, uh, throw out that maybe help uh, dads just be better dads, better husbands, better family, better high performance, whatever it is, anything that maybe we didn't hit that you want to hit. And then also the follow-up, so you have time to think about it, is if you want to throw a challenge out in addition, something guys can do week to week, doesn't have to be easy, but it can be easy. 
but something they can accomplish between this week and next week. Joe's already got it. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Let's actually wrap this up with a couple of things. First, I want to put a bow on the family meetings. There's two other pieces that are just super quick. So we hit our tough truths is where we started getting into a lot of dialogue. Then you don't want to end on the tough truth. We give each other compliments, everyone around the table. I'm thankful for you because you do this thing. We, and then we give a firm handshake, two pats on the shoulders and and, uh, Mel tries to sneak in hugs, but we have three sons. So I try to teach him how to shake hands, look him in the eye to to end the meeting. So that's how we wrap up the family meeting on some thankfulness for people at the table and then a little gesture. And so to, to your question now about some advice or things that I've learned from screwing up, which is a good way of saying advice, I guess, uh, for, for men. And that is what Mel was talking a lot about with language is that think more and say less and like really put some thought into how you, how you speak to people, including yourself and your example of walking up to bat was a very thoughtful interaction. Well, most of us would say, Oh no, you're not good. Good luck. Like they would, Oh no, that's not true. But like they might believe it's true. That's not as much of a purposeful interaction. And so uh, it's a um, Victor Frankl thing from Man's Search for Meaning. Creating some space between stimulus and your reaction is so critical as an adult, a a parent. It's something happens. I just do this. I say that all the time. Huh. Like sometimes that that little noise is what creates a space for me to think and not be reactionary. I'll give an example. We're uh, after dinner. My younger son likes to go out and throw rocks. He just likes to be outside. Like, Dad, let's yeah. go out and smash some rocks. <laughs> All right, we'll go on th- lift and th- smash rocks. And so we're out there throwing rocks off a bigger rock to make smaller rocks. <laughs> and our middle son's out there having a great time. And we're all throwing the rocks and he misses the rock and it goes down the hill and hits my windshield and shatters it in my truck. Oh no. <laughs> and it was just a, huh. like I couldn't like normally I would be too real. Like, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe you did that. Whatever. Like I was also throwing rocks. There was another child also throwing rocks. Like it could have been any of ours that bounced off and hit it. Like it's not something that I need to make him feel bad about as a person because he, there was just a bad throw. Now I had to create a little, huh. I'm gonna need a minute, Henry. <laughs> like, and just like, oh, that one hurt. Like, oh man, I gotta go to go. It was a lot of things we had to do to fix it, but it was just creating a space to react more appropriately. And I think that's really important for for adult men to to practice creating that space because there is a lot on our minds to to make sure that we're serving the person in front of us with clear and kind communication. Yeah, yeah, I agree absolutely. I call that one the take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the for, yeah. I like the breath. I like the noise because <laughs> I hear myself. Cause it's all it hits me auditory. Like I got to hear it. Huh. All right, I need a second. <laughs> um, okay, and for the challenge. Yeah, no, did yeah. You let's think hear the challenge. Too? Oh no, I did not think. <laughs> well, I'm enjoying what you're saying. I'm also going to put you on the spot. Don't think you. Okay. <laughs> so here's the challenge at your next life's event, whether it's a holiday, your birthday. Do an experience that is memorable versus just eat pizza and cake. Now, if you're a pizza and cake person, you can do that too. However, you're going to create an experience that is much more meaningful. This comes from Power of Moments from Chip and Dan Heath. Yes, yeah, I love that book. Yeah, it comes from a lot of different places where you need to put landmarks in your life so it makes time feel like it's going slower. And so you can enjoy more of your life versus everything blending together and looking the same. And so the challenge is to put some thought in now to what your next challenge is going to be months down the road. You can pick a date, whether it's not a life event or or is. Uh, 
but that'll always be memorable to not do what is the cultural norm thing to do on that event. Uh, it's been made a big difference in our lives. This is something that we started maybe three years ago and we started integrating like, hey, on the holidays, we do hard things. We just don't sit around and eat food. Like we go do a challenge together as a family. And so when I turned 40, my challenge was to do 4,140 pull-ups on my 40th birthday. What? And so it took six months of doing hundreds of pull-ups a day. Now I'm a kid who was over 300 pounds as an offensive lineman. I always got zero on the presidential fitness tests all the way through school. And I'm like, I can change that story. And so for six months, I prepped, I trained, did my hundreds of pull-ups. And then on my 40th, I got up at 2 a.m. and started doing pull-ups. And oh it took gosh. me about 13 hours of pull-ups, doing pull-ups on, on the minute, almost every minute with five-minute breaks each hour to retape the hands and all that sort of stuff. And so completed that challenge. And that's a birthday I'll always remember. I don't know what I ate my 39th, my 37th, my 36th. Like I don't even remember any of those days, but I'll always remember the 40th. And my son, who was 10 at the time, saw me do it, Henry. And he's like, you know what? My birthday's coming up. I'm going to do 1,010 on my birthday because he was 10. I was 40. He wanted to do 25% because he's 25% of my age. So he trained for four or five months until his birthday. And then we got up and did together a thousand pull-ups on his birthday. Now oh he won't gosh. remember what type of cookies he had or anything like that, but we did one or two pull-ups at a time, rest a minute, one or two pull-ups, rest a minute for again, 10 hours or so until he got to his, his goal. And then he did, he did the same on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving day was another pull-up day on, um, some holidays we'll get up and we'll try to climb a mountain. Like we'll do a, a ruck together or something like that. And those we remember so much more significantly as moments in our life that are powerful. Uh, and I challenge people to give yourself that gift in your family to do something that is an experience and memorable and pushes you slightly outside your comfort zone that fits with your family's core values and will be something that you'll carry with you for a lot of your life. Yeah, that is great. So the pull-up thing is crazy. I just did the <laughs> Memorial Day Murph. They yep. do a hundred so, yeah, pull-ups. Yeah, so did we. Oh yeah. <laughs> and this was the first year I did it with a weighted vest. Mm. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I basically got really good at doing five pull-ups. People <laughs> like, how many can you do total? I'm like, I don't know in a row. Like, it's not an impressive amount. Maybe twenty, twenty-five. But I could do five basically every thirty seconds for an hour. And then take a little break and then do five every 30 seconds for another hour. And then do four every 30 seconds as I start to wane down to three every 30 seconds, back to five every minute now for the next hour and just break it down and execute on it. And it was uh, certainly not easy. That hurt for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been sore all week. Today's Friday and I'm finally starting to feel like, and I normally don't get sore from exercise, but that one with the weighted vest, like, oh, this is tough. This is tough. And you, you mentioned Chip and Dan Heath's book. The yeah. popsicle hotline. Mm. Yeah, from the hotel, the, the call the hotel, get the popsicle to your room. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. You see the little phone; it says popsicle hotline, and you grab it and you think, "Oh, the, go to the fridge and get your popsicle." No, a, a guy in a tuxedo comes out with white gloves <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and serves you popsicles on a silver platter. Yeah, and one more just brief thing on 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 that book and experiences. They talk a lot about like, hey, just don't try to make things incrementally better. Make like one thing really memorable and let everything else be. Like they're not trying to make the kind of good best beds at the hotel or like the the biggest kind like slightly bigger rooms. They're like, hey, we're gonna be really good at this one thing, and this is gonna be memorable because we are noticeably better at this one thing. And that level of focus into an experience makes it a lot different. It's not, okay, I'm gonna go walk around the block. Okay, well, that's 
that's good, but it's kind of normal and not as memorable. And so uh, like stretching the comfort zone last summer, a few weeks ahead of time, I told Mal, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to run this hundred mile race. Like there was one here. It was the first one. I was on a newsletter list for hundred mile races because I had signed up for a 50 miler over COVID that got canceled. And I don't really run. I just wanted to to see if I had the endurance to to survive. It was more of a survival challenge for me than a hundred mile run. And that experience and that day and a half is one that I'll always remember <laughs> because it was significantly different than me running a 5K or 10K. It just stood out so much more to uh to tackle a bigger challenge or experience. Yeah, I just got invited to run an ultra and I'm like, wait, what'd you say? <laughs> should do it. It is. I'm uh, like, I've done a half marathon before, but I've never, never thought to even try to hit the the full marathon. And I'm like, ultra is more than a full marathon. <laughs> like if you've already, this is my philosophy and Mel hates it. <laughs> like if you're if you've already run the 26, like you don't want to have to do those again. Just keep going and make it an ultra. Like otherwise you'll have to start back at zero. And Mel's like, why don't you start with 50 milers? I'm like, no, like if I've done 50, I don't want to do 50 again. Let's try to get a hundred. I'm just gonna sign up for that one instead of the 50. Like if I stop at 50, like it was, there's about 50 people that started 13 of us finished. I finished 13th with about 15 minutes left. Uh, and it was, you know, that ex- mindset of like, all right, well, I'm not a runner. I hadn't run that really that year. We walk every day with weight vests. Like I'm not, yeah. I train every day. I don't want to say like, I went from couch to hundred miles because that's an, a serious oversell. Uh, but it was worth it. And it was a much different experience than doing a marathon, which I had done one, not fast. Like I'm not, yeah, yeah. But it was the experience of of finding a new new level that you can reach and like can you go all night and can you jog this long? And I'll put run again in heavy quotes because a lot of it was walking. <laughs> but <laughs> can can you figure it out and make it work? And those things are that's another memory that I'll care for carry forever. What Joe likes to do is he'll say, Mel, I'm thinking about doing this challenge. And as soon as he says it, as soon as it's like out into the world, it's gonna happen. I'm like, well, don't tell me you're thinking about it. You know you're gonna do it. <laughs> That's great. But then I'm I am the I'm the very strong support system for any challenge that he um comes up with. Speaking of challenges, what do you have? Because I, yes, I do have too one. Much dance time. Ah, there we go. <laughs> so mine is is it will sound less exciting, but it is extremely valuable. And I've learned this recently. We would take family walks a lot, family hikes a lot. And recently two of our kids decided to stay home and not do the walk. So just one of our boys went and it was incredible. When you spend, so my challenge is to spend individual time with each child. It could be a game. It could be a walk. Walks are great because you're moving forward. So your body's like moving, but you're also, that's when conversations will come up. The last three weeks, I've done that with each of my kids. And each time something came out into the open that I don't think would have had we not spent that one-on-one time. So I'm not, I'm family time is amazing and we should do that, but your children will bring up different things and they will act differently when you're by with them on your own, just yes. one-on-one. So my yes. challenge is to find time for each child. one on how much time this is a challenge now, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or otherwise okay, do I'll say at least 15. Okay. Cause I think it's reasonable to go out for a 15 minute walk. And honestly, okay. sometimes it'll go longer. Cause what if something comes up? You can't just cut it short. <laughs> yeah. So I'd say yeah. at least 15 minutes with each child one-on-one. There we go. I like it. I like it. I was going to go four hours, but we'll go 15 minutes. <laughs> you got some extreme, got both ends of the extreme here for, for challenges. <laughs> I want it to be doable because I think as soon as you start doing it, you'll see the benefit and you'll want to do it more. 
Yes. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. Start small. You got to start somewhere and you might as well start small because if you try to start big, you might not ever get started. <laughs> That's just it. Yep. So how can people get a hold of you guys? How can, how can they connect with you? Yeah. Right over at strongfamilyproject.com. We'll have, we have our Instagram over there and uh, where we're most active socially. And then our podcast drops twice a week, every week. And we've been very consistent with it. And next month is all scheduled out. And that's the way to get a hold of us. And over at the strong uh, at strongfamilyproject.com, we give away all seven elements of the path that we've been chatting about with Dan and uh, concisely our notes on them. So if you want to follow some ideas from the strong family path, whether it's core values or family meetings, we lay that all out and give that away. Well, that's fantastic. Well, thank you both very much for coming on the show. Super enjoyable. Had a blast. I feel like uh, we got similar families in different states. Yeah. Likewise. And we really appreciate you uh, being willing to have us on as relative strangers. Now we feel like we know you because you <laughs> let us into our household and shared stories. And we love that community aspect. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you. Yeah, really yeah, enjoyed absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, you bet. You bet. And thank you again. And uh, guys, do check out uh, Strong Family Project. They got a really cool... 15 to 20 minute, 25 minute, you know, short segments on podcasts. So you guys will like strong family project as well. All right. Catch you guys later. And I look forward to you guys tuning in next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the journey of a Christian dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light, shine that light out and let others see it with you guys. Part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself be accountable to God and Jesus. Hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. Hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others, join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others, have your buddies join, have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, thanks for blessing all of us and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.